wasabi wallet. Unfairly private. What's up, everyone? I am Ben with the BTC Sessions, and this is your daily session. Huddle that Bitcoin. Before we dive in, of course, shout out to sponsors of this show, Ledin.io. This is where you can use your Bitcoin for a whole bunch of different services. Now, they, of course, have their Bitcoin-backed loans. This is where you can use your Bitcoin as collateral to get a Canadian or U.S. dollar loan. So if you are needing dollars, but you don't want to sell your Bitcoin because one, that's a taxable event, and two, you're worried about having to buy back in at a higher price point, this could be with you. this could be for you. All you need to do, you can deposit your Bitcoin, you get dollars in your bank account within 24 hours. When you pay that back, you get back the exact same amount of Bitcoin. Now, of course, they've also got Bitcoin and USDC savings accounts with interest rates of up to 11.7% annually paid monthly. And they've got their B2X offering. This uses the same loan mechanism to instantly buy more Bitcoin, effectively doubling your Bitcoin on the spot. Now, if you want to check these guys out, there's a link in the show notes down below. You click that link. If you opt to get a loan, they'll give you 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin for free. And until the end of today, they've got a, a special offer for the B2X. Um, this gets you a 2% bonus. It's credited back to your USDC account whenever you use B2X. Uh, and so you can get a little bit of a, a little bump into your savings account too, if you opt to use this. Now, secondly, we have some of my favorite guys. Of course, the guys at Crypto Cloaks, if you haven't been to their website yet, what are you doing? Check them out. These guys, uh, Awesome Bitcoiners, they got some 3D printers and started pumping out incredible swag. I have my node shell on the way. I'm going to be doing a video on Umbral. Um, now, I've previously done my node. This is a version of that. Um, now, we're also going to be checking out the Bitcoin grenades. I love these things. You can put open dimes in them, loaded with Bitcoin. They're great for gifts. Uh, you got the uh, Honey Badger shelf where you can store your hardware wallets. They've got tons of stuff. They've got sleeves for hardware wallets, coasters. They've even got night lights, a little bit of everything for everyone. Please do check them out, CryptoCloaks.com. And if you want a deal, you can use the code BTC Sessions, all one word, to get 5% off at checkout. And finally, we have Kobo, the Kobo Vault. Now, I've done a full tutorial on this thing. It is uh, has quickly moved into my regular rotation of hardware wallets. I love it because it's so easy to use and it's air-gapped. So air-gapped means that you never plug the thing into a, any sort of internet-connected device. Everything is done entirely via QR code. Now, of course, they've got a secure element on the thing. The firmware is open source. They have Bitcoin-only firmware, which I very much recommend you use. And, of course, my favorite thing about them is the interoperability with all of my favorite wallets. Of course, you can use it with Bitcoin Core, Electrum. Uh, my go-to is Wasabi Wallet on desktop, and my go-to for mobile is Blue Wallet, so I'm super happy that I can use Kobo with both of those options. So be sure to check them out, kobo.com. There's a link also in the show notes if you want to help the show at the same time if you're opting to get one. I'm using the Kobo Vault Pro because it has the rechargeable battery, so keep that in mind. Um, and 
Also, they're doing a giveaway right now. So if you get on Twitter and you retweet this show, tag myself and Kobo in the process and just let us know why you would like a Kobo Tablet Plus, a steel plate to store your backup to really any wallet. Um, just let us know and I'm going to be giving those away all the way through the end of November. So be sure to do that. With that, let's dive into the show. So Bitcoin has stayed above $10,000 for the longest time in history. And we're talking about day opening to day close. Uh, so it has surpassed 63 days above $10,000. Now, this was as of yesterday. Um, the previous record of 62 days was set between December of 2017 and January of 2018. So that was the first time actually that we had ever gone above $10,000 was was around that time frame around the time frame that we we're hitting all time highs. Uh, so very interesting to see us kind of pass that threshold. Another indication that we could be moving into a very kind of extended bull run as we've seen in the past in and around that time frame too. So We'll see. But regardless, let's read a little bit here from Decrypt. Bitcoin has cemented, cemented rather, its longest period of consecutive days with a value above $10,000 after it ended yesterday um, at $10,721. Um, Bitcoin's last stretch above 10K mark was for 62 days at the end of 2017. Two years later, it tried to match this, but only managed 28 days. Now Bitcoin has gone over 63 days, um, a record, Jason Dean, Bitcoin analyst from Quantum Econom uh, Economics, attributes to the micro-strategy effect. Everybody loves talking about micro-strategy since they bought a ton of Bitcoin. Um, quote here, price has passed the $10,000 mark when their first acquisition announcement came on August 11th, and the impact of this bold groundbreaking move by Michael Saylor was to drive substantial confidence and credibility into the asset. Honestly, I don't think this is exclusively the work of Michael Saylor. Obviously, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to see uh, companies using Bitcoin as a reserve asset, but I think it was inevitable that eventually we would kind of get over that threshold where 10K becomes kind of a floor. So I, th I think, we, do they correlate? Yes. Uh, did they did Michael Saylor cause us to not dip below 10K? Doubtful. I think it takes more than just a dude buying, you know, point, you know, point two percent of Bitcoin or something like that. I don't think that's the number one driver there. Anyways, let's move on a little bit. Now, another kind of bullish bit of news, at least uh, as far as scarcity goes, um, 18.5 million Bitcoin have now been mined, meaning there's only two and a half million left to be mined. So again, from Decrypt here, the total number of mined Bitcoin in circulation has reached over 18.5 million out of the maximum of 21 million over this past weekend, according to BlockExplorerBlockchain.com. As a result, there is now less than 2.5 million Bitcoin left for miners left to discover. However, while it might look like Bitcoin's emission 
is closing on the finish line, just over 88% of all Bitcoin already mined after all, the emission of the last Bitcoin is currently expected no earlier than the year 2140. This is because, and we've talked about this before, as time goes on, the rewards that miners receive for discovering a new Bitcoin block get smaller, slashed by half every 210,000 blocks, or roughly every four years, due to a hard-coded uh, hard process called the halving. The halving, of course, recently occurred on May 12th of this year and reduced the block reward from 12.5 Bitcoin to 6.25 Bitcoin per block. This will continue every four years until the very last Satoshi, Bitcoin's smallest unit, is discovered. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really bumping into that scarcity right now. Um, it, that's we've got well over a hundred years, 120 years until the last Bitcoin is mined, but that gets more and more difficult to do. And you know, most of Bitcoin will be mined in the next kind of decade, decade and a half. Um, and then after that, the 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 block rewards get very, very minimal, very, very quickly. I think people don't realize how quickly this can happen. So we're at six and a quarter right now. So we'll be at uh, three point whatever it is, 3.125 by the year 2020. Uh, where am I now? Okay, <laughs> we'll be at uh, 3.125 by the year 2024. After that, it's it's one and a bit. After that, we dip below. Um, after that, we b dip below one Bitcoin per block. So anybody holding one Bitcoin right now, if you hold on to it for, for a few halvings, you'll have more than the entire block reward. Uh, so interesting to kind of see how quickly that, that disappears. Um, now, furthermore, to the scarcity uh, mentioned here, we talked about MicroStrategy, which is the company that uh, decided to allocate $425 million of their 500 mil worth of cash reserves to Bitcoin specifically because they realized that the fiat currency they were holding was losing purchasing power uh, quite rapidly. And so we see them scooping up in, in a couple of buys, as I said, they bought up around 0.2%, getting pretty close to that, of the entire Bitcoin supply that will ever exist. It's more like 0.18. But besides the fact, um, Grayscale is another company that has been just eating up Bitcoin either for themselves or for their, uh, their clients. But uh, they just added $106 million, 100, sorry, $186 million of Bitcoin to its reserves. So over the past week, digital asset management firm Grayscale Investments has increased its reserves by 17,100 Bitcoin, according to its website and crypto analytics firm uh, Bybit or BYBT. I don't know. Um, it's increase of that's an increase of 186.5 million. As a result, GBTC Bitcoin Trust, which was created in 2013, now amounts to nearly 450,000 Bitcoin or $4.7 billion. This corresponds to 2.5% of the amount of Bitcoin in circulation. Two and a half percent of all Bitcoin is owned by Grayscale now. Um, if you don't like that, 
buy some more Bitcoin. <laughs> they can't buy what you're holding if you're holding it. Um, anyways, this doesn't necessarily mean Grayscale is buying this Bitcoin directly. It can either purchase Bitcoin on behalf of its clients or it can issue shares in exchange for Bitcoin. In the latter case, it wouldn't be sucking up any of the available supply and wouldn't be affecting its price. The increase in Grayscale's reserves come amid a pullback in the price of Bitcoin. Earlier this month, the first cryptocurrency made another unsuccessful attempt to gain a foothold above 12K and has been trading mostly above $10,000 since then. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, this is going to be more and more difficult for people to do, like for Grayscale to be eating up this much Bitcoin, um, you know, post having. And for MicroStrategy to be making these large plays, uh, only so many people can do this before it just becomes impossible to buy that much Bitcoin at that price point. Uh, and I think we're going to continue to see this. I think MicroStrategy turned a lot of heads in doing this. Um, I, you know from uh, a lot of people out there, um, including the author of, uh, let me just pull it out, including uh, Jeff Booth, author of uh, The Price of Tomorrow, where he talks about deflation is the key to an abundant future. Anyways, he's on a, quite a lot of boards, and he says this has very much become a boardroom discussion for many companies. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of this, whether it be investment trusts like this or just family offices and, and uh, smaller businesses using this as a reserve asset and, and eventually larger businesses as well. Um, Moving on and further kind of to this, we've been seeing, I have been seeing a lot of stuff of kind of mainstreaming of Bitcoin as of late. And which again, continues to lead me to believe that we're on the cusp of another 2017. Again, I could be wrong, but this feels so reminiscent of 2016. I don't know what the rest of you guys think, but I think I think we're, we're in store. There's going to be something big in store over the next... 12 to 18 months. Anyways, um, no coiner TikTok star launches finance podcast with Bitcoin bull pomp or Anthony Pompliano. So, um, and, and for the record, I don't give a shit about TikTok. I, I don't use it. Uh, I don't really care about like influencers and stuff like that. But, um, but I do see this as, as a thing that naturally happens during bull runs during the last during 2017 you saw all kinds of people come out of the woodwork and start talking about bitcoin on on whether it be youtube or instagram or or wherever but they they popped up all over the place and some stuck around and learned a lot and others just kind of did it because it was the flavor of the week we're gonna see a lot of this stuff but I digress. Let's dive into this Cointelegraph article. A 21-year-old social media star famous for his TikTok videos is entering the crypto space guided by Bitcoin bull Anthony Pomp Pompliano. Bryce Hall has launched a finance podcast with Pomp called Capital University. Unlike Pomp's regular podcast, which focuses on business investing and promoting Bitcoin, the joint venture will cross the generational divide as the 32-year-old Pomp learns how social media influencers are making money while Hall learns tips about building generational wealth through investment strategies. Quote, I just want to highlight the power and importance of diversification, Hall told Cointelegraph. I do believe crypto is its own asset class and one worth exploring. 
it is definitely the internet's version of gold with the caveat of having a known finite amount of units. The TikTok star who claims he has roughly 25 million followers between the short video sharing app, TikTok, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter reportedly has a net worth of more than $2 million. He described himself as completely broke before achieving internet fame, but is now earning a large income through YouTube AdSense revenue, apparel, merchandise sales, and brand deals. Um, now, he has also been talking to Gemini co-founder co-founder Tyler Winkervoss, and uh, Tyler has agreed to be on the new podcast. Um, he quotes here, when Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss are engaging with your tweets and direct messaging you, you better take what they say seriously and reevaluate your investment positions. Um, now, Tyler doesn't currently have Bitcoin, at least uh, not at the time of this article, though he's been seriously looking into it. My guess is, I mean, obviously this guy doesn't know a ton about this. He said he was he was broke before, um, came into a lot of money from sudden fame. All good. That's that's fine. Um, probably doesn't know a lot about investment strategies or anything like that. Uh, I I will say that he's probably on a, a decent track with Pomp at least because when Pomp talks on these podcasts, he's specifically referring to Bitcoin most of the time. Uh, he's not too, like, I know that he's part of uh, an investment firm that does more than just Bitcoin, but um, he's very, very specific when he talks about this kind of stuff. So hopefully that, that kind of points this guy in the right direction and thus his audience in the right direction. But um, the Winklevoss twins, again, they while they say they they heavily favor Bitcoin, they're not averse to pumping shit coins all over the all over the place. Uh, so, if I have to guess, this dude's probably gonna go down the shitcoin route. Um, it it will probably end up being a bit of a flavor of the month thing. He'll make a bunch of money over the next you know twelve to eighteen months, and then as it fizzles out after that and goes into a bear market. He'll probably jump ship and, and look at different methods of making money. Um, he'll probably pivot. He, you know, he might even abandon the podcast unless he gets really orange pilled. Um, but I mean, he's 21. He's a TikTok star. Uh, the the uh, attention spans of the audience on stuff like that are, are definitely not going to be very long. And if it's not content that everybody wants to see at the moment then i'm guessing that he won't be on this train for long but hey again to me this is an indication of the market going a certain direction and that we're leading into uh you know within 12 to 18 months perhaps some sort of a mania but we will see moving on here uh i found this fun this is called the bitcoin awareness game um so this article here on Decrypt, it talks about uh, the Bitcoin awareness game is an initiative that encourages people to share Bitcoin stickers, signs and logos around the world, a move designed to spread awareness of the cryptocurrency on a global level. Crypto space has poured a lot of effort into mainstreaming digital assets. Now, a lot of this stuff was like bullshitty, you know, garbage tokens that were promoted. Um, however, Bitcoin doesn't really have like a centralized place that promotes it it's more like people that are passionate about it talk about it and its growth has kind of been pretty organic from the get-go 
Um, so now Bitcoiners have their own intuitive strategy to spread the word uh, of this asset, street art. Uh, so this quote here, we receive pictures from all over the world from Bitcoiners who want to earn some Satoshis for spreading the word about Bitcoin. Uh, this pseudonymous um, organizer of Bitcoin Awareness Game told Decrypt. According to the organizer, the Bitcoin Awareness Game also takes Bitcoin's relationship with art to another level. Other Bitcoin artists have joined the Bitcoin Awareness Game with their designs that before were confined either to the internet or sold to private collectors, adding that public places are the best place for art where everyone gets to see it. So what is this all about? The aim of the Bitcoin awareness game is simple. Buy or print the group's stickers and spread them across public places around the world in order to help grow Bitcoin's global presence. Now, it's not a thankless task. Participants are awarded for their efforts. According to the creator here, more than 1.5 million Satoshis, obviously the smallest unit of Bitcoin, have been awarded to participants from Germany, the US, Romania, New Zealand, and many other places. Contributors can receive these rewards either through microlancer.io or BTC Street Arts Telegram channel. One of the goals of the community is to promote Bitcoin's reputation. Many people haven't heard of Bitcoin. I would argue that they have heard of Bitcoin, most people. Um, what's worse, those who have heard of Bitcoin enter one of the many misconceptions. Bitcoin is dead. It's money tool for criminals. It will never work. The list goes on. I would agree with that. Um, to, better in, uh, to encourage a better image for the famed crypto asset, some participants have come up with their own iterations of Bitcoin art, sending their creations to the BTC Street Art Twitter account where the pictures are shared publicly. At the very least, the Bitcoin awareness game is designed to get people who aren't in the crypto community engaged with the asset. They said, if five of a hundred actually start thinking about what they are reading on a sticker, it's a great result. Um, <clears throat> I'm torn here. Like, I, I, I don't think there's too much damage in somebody putting a sticker on like a light pole or whatever. Um, <clears throat> do I think this will have a massive impact? Uh, probably not. <laughs> but... I've got to say, it is cool when I'm wandering somewhere and I see like a Bitcoin sticker somewhere. It's just kind of like that gentle nod of some anon in the crowd has stuck that up and you just kind of, you see it and you're like, all right, people know, people are learning. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think this is an okay thing? Do you think it's vandalism? Do you think it matters? Are you going to do it? <laughs> Let me know. Um, I wanted to draw attention, moving on here, uh, to an article on newmoneyreview.com. They're talking about big oil going for Bitcoin. And so um, it's it's kind of interesting here. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into the details here, but I did highlight a, a certain part that I found interesting. Um, so first, it's important to understand how, uh, how the infrastructure, like, electric in infrastructure and power infrastructure in the US, Canada, most most countries work is they operate at peak capacity 100% of the time in order to avoid blackouts. What I mean is you need to anticipate the absolute highest demand that is possible and pretty much be running at that capacity 100% of the time and anything that is not utilized is effectively waste or they pay people to take and offload that energy. And so if you're LA, 
if you're California, if you're any large city, you're running expecting that people are going to be using the maximum amount of power that they normally ever do. And anything extra is now sitting there and you've got to figure out, is this going to be wasted? Can we offload it somehow? And if you can offload it to somebody that will actually take that power, odds are the city or the whatever entity has the power is going to be paying somebody to take it away. Uh, at which point those costs are then passed on to the people in that constituency that are paying for electricity. So your electricity costs are in part paying for the excess electricity created that is being taken away by somebody and who's being paid to do so. Meanwhile, you're paying for your electricity plus that waste. Um, so a lot of uh, producers of energy, energy producers, particularly big oil, um, where there's waste like methane or, or natural gas and so on and so forth, um, they're starting to be approached by Bitcoin miners and they are saying, hey, we'll pay for this power that normally you have to pay other people to take. We'll plug ourselves in and we'll pay you a, a, a low rate, but you're still making money where you would have been losing it. And now you can operate at that top capacity and you don't have to worry about the cost of offloading that uh, extra power or that extra energy later on because we'll take it if you feel that you need that power give us 15 minutes notice we'll shut off okay now this is happening um also with natural gas i was saying so just a little tidbit here according to the financial times the amount of gas burnt off in flares by oil producers jumped to its highest level in a decade in 2019 despite global efforts to eradicate the practice gas flaring causes more than 400 million tons of carbon dioxide equivalent gases to be released into the atmosphere that year according to world bank data more than the annual greenhouse gas emissions of the entire uk economy again this is an instance where excess energy is effectively being completely wasted and in this instance it's not even being funneled and paid to be taken away they're literally burning it and polluting because of it whereas this extra energy could be captured used in a more clean way and funneled into bitcoin and they could make money off of it so very very interesting to see i think it's an inevitability that you're going to have bitcoin miners uh, very entrenched with fossil fuels which in turn will make it that much more efficient, that much more cost effective, and that much more clean. Uh, so excited to see the proliferation of that. If you want to check out this article, it's in the links down below. A uh, couple things left here. Uh, $130 million of the KuCoin hackers haul to be frozen by crypto projects. So if you're unfamiliar, KuCoin, uh, an online exchange, was hacked and around what was it, $200 million? $203 million was lost uh, to the hacker, according to information disclosed by KuCoin. Now, the interesting thing here is that a lot of this was like DeFi coins and tokens and stuff like that. Um, let's dive into this, and then I'm going to give you my comment on this. Okay, KuCoin, the cryptocurrency exchange hacked on Friday, has disclosed additional suspicious addresses to which a hacker sent around a 10.7 million dollars worth of bitcoin tallying up all cryptocurrency addresses shared by the singapore base exchange brings the total amount lost in the hack to 203 million dollars the true damage may be higher should kucoin share additional addresses 
But at the same time, cryptocurrency exchanges and blockchain projects have frozen some of the stolen assets to minimize the damage. They've done a pretty comprehensive job. Orion Protocol has updated its smart contract to render $8.5 million in stolen tokens obsolete. Uh, Covesting has frozen the $520,000 stolen. And Cardia Chain has invalidated $9 million worth of tokens. Crypto company Velo Labs announced that it will invalidate all 122 million Velo tokens stolen in the hack worth about $76 million. VIDT Data Link will freeze 14 million VIDT worth about $6.4 million. Silent Notary will replace all of its tokens, including the 94 around $94,000 affected and ocean protocol paused its smart contract after $8.6 million was lost tether the stablecoin company that produces um, the U S dollar peg coin froze $22 million worth of the cryptocurrency. This quote, uh, (laughs) I'm going to read this. These are real names of projects, by the way, but I have to read this sentence. No word yet on what will happen to the penis.finance, Pumponomics, Retard Token, The Hunger Game, and Dino Token that ended up in the hacker's wallet. Those are real coins, you guys. Oh, fuck. Anyways. Um, so, a hundred... About $130 million of those stolen funds, or about 65% of the haul, has been frozen. So, here's the thing. It really sucks that KuCoin was hacked. Uh, I guess, again, another point here is that not your keys, not your coins. If you leave your coins with somebody else, any third party for any reason, there is a risk associated there. So... If you are using a third party for any reason, make sure there's an actual reason for it to be there. And if there isn't, then get it off into your own custody. Furthermore, if for any reason you're using a third party, make sure it's not all of what you have. Don't sit all of your Bitcoin in any custodian for any reason. You, you got to mitigate your risk. If you're using something, okay, perfect example, I'm sponsored by Ledin. Do I put all of my Bitcoin with Ledin? No. Of course not. Do I use some of my Bitcoin with Ledin? Yes, but it's a small portion of what I have because I want to mitigate that risk. I, you know, I trust those guys. They're regulated within Canada. But at the same time, at all times, I'm always careful and conservative with what I do with my Bitcoin. And I think you guys should be no different. Um, but besides the fact, so KuCoin's hacked um, 200 and something million dollars goes missing. 65% of that was able to be frozen. What the fuck is going on with something called decentralized finance if you can freeze things? The whole point of Bitcoin when it was created was to not have a big red button where somebody can stop anybody from doing anything. And to have all of these coins and exchanges and everything where it's it's supposed to be DeFi, decentralized finance... If there is a God mode on your coin, it's not fucking decentralized. It's insane to me that people are calling this DeFi when this much can be frozen. Uh, And to be clear here, KuCoin is not uh, claiming to be decentralized. They are a centralized exchange. Um, But 
a lot of these coins, they're supposed to be <laughs> decentralized coins, right? The whole point of this is, is nobody is overseeing allowing you or disallowing you to do something. But if you can change the protocol to freeze contracts and everything, it's not decentralized. Come on, guys. And to that point, I wanted to bring this up. Uh, I'm not going to dive into the actual story here, but uh, Salt Lending. This was, again, kind of like a, a lending platform. It had an ICO back in late 2017. The SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, just confirmed that it's taking action against SALT after ruling the crypto loans company $47 million ICO was an illegal securities issuance. This is three years, almost three years after the fact that the SEC is saying, yeah, that was illegal. What are the chances? And, and the assumption at the time with ICOs or initial coin offerings where people were creating tokens and pre-sale selling them and everything, the assumption there was, well, it's crypto. So it's, you know, it's outside of the law. Nobody can stop this. The thing is, when there's a centralized entity issuing tokens and they're, they're, they have control of the protocol and, and <laughs> there's somebody to point to, the SEC can go to that person and say, that wasn't allowed. We're going to crack down on you. Um, case in point, salt lending. But it takes time. The, the, the justice system is incredibly slow. And whether or not you agree with whether they should crack down on anything like this, I'm more of a let people make their own mistakes kind of person. But the fact remains the SEC is going after these things. Three years after the fact, it clamps down on an ICO that happened. What do you want to bet that all of these DeFi protocols that say they're decentralized finance that are issuing tokens, liquidity tokens for the, their decentralized exchanges that apparently they also have fucking God mode for and they can just shut off at any point. What do you want to bet the SEC is going to be prosecuting these people three, four, five years from now? I'd say pretty high. But let me know what you think, because holy God. Anyways, guys, uh, before I log off here, I wanted to give a shout out to Satoshi Corner. Uh, they sent me my shirt. If you can't tell, uh, this is a, 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 in my opinion, a, a decent niche OPSEC uh, Bitcoiner shirt. This is the stock to flow shirt uh, with its multicolored dots. Uh, I enjoy it. I really like it. I, I wore it, I guess, kind of in honor of these, <laughs> the stock to flow uh, drama that was going on over the past few days. I won't elaborate too much, but there was a lot of drama going on back and forth, whether the stock to flow model was accurate and then a bunch of hit, shit hit the fan. But besides the fact, uh, if you dig the shirt, head over to satoshicorner.com. Those guys are awesome. Anyways, guys, I'm going to wrap up there. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. If you're here on YouTube, do hit like, subscribe, and share. All of those things really, really do help, so please do them. Also, if you want to help the show in another way, you can hit up the sponsors I mentioned down below. Uh, that was Ledin. They got their deal on the B2X thing right now. Of course, uh, you've got Crypto Cloaks. You can use code BTC Sessions for a discount there. And Kobo, uh, check them out. And if you want the giveaway, then retweet the show. Tag us both and let us know why you want that steel tablet for your seed phrase. And with that, I'm out. Uh, by the way, if you really liked what you saw, you can drop me a Bitcoin Lightning Network tip at my tippin.me page 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 ph <laughs> t-i-p-p-i-n dot me slash at btc sessions with that i'm out have yourselves a good evening good day wherever you are i'll see you next time for your daily session